Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello there, you're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're bringing you our review of Scream, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies, don't we, Lee? Oh, we do, and I love to talk about this movie, Tim. Bring it on. Okay, let's get started. So Scream takes place 25 years after the original series of murders in Woodsboro as a new killer emerges to terrorise the town and drag Sydney Prescott back into the murderous fray. Poor Sydney, not again. <laughs> well, Scream is directed by Matt Bettinelli, Olpen, and Tyler Gillett, who were the directing pair behind the recent horror film Ready or Not. And that was such a fun horror flick, wasn't it? Well, see, I'll get into that when we launch in because I didn't love that film. Oh, really? Uh, So I was nervous that these guys were behind the camera for Scream. Mm. But anyway, we'll launch into that soon. The screenplay is written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick based on the characters created by Kevin Williamson. Scream, of course, brings back Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox and David Arquette. But there's a new cast that includes Melissa Barrera, Jenny Ortega, Dylan Minnette, Marley Shelton and many more. Now, Lee, before we kick off talking about the 2022 Scream, Mm -hmm. what is your relationship with the Scream franchise and how are you feeling going into this new one? I love them. Yeah. They're so good. They are so good. They defined a subgenre of slasher flicks in the 90s that were just so fresh and funny and just really entertaining. And then it started to kind of drop off by number four, three and four, I think. Yeah. Three is arguably probably the weakest in the franchise. And what I'd like to do at the end of this, just to preface, I'd like to order the Scream movies mm, okay. from favourite to least favourite at the end. So get thinking on that one. Yeah, I mean, the, the Scream franchise one to four has always been part of the cultural zeitgeist. And I'm so excited that mm. this new entry is once again part of that cultural zeitgeist platform. I love the franchise too. It's one of my favourite franchises mm-hmm. and it's always been a hit. 
It's always been a hit. There's been one or two misses maybe, but it's almost a perfect franchise in my eyes. And that's something that's really cleverly commentated on in this film too, that yeah. you know, within Scream there's also this film that was created called Stab, yeah. which mirrored the events of Scream and then they had sequels as well. And what's funny in this film is they poke fun of the fact that Stab has sort of fallen off the rails and it's it's not as good as it used to be. Uh, yeah, I found that really, really funny. And what that brings it into is the whole fact how meta this film is, how self-referential mm. it is, yes. not only of the past events that happened in Woodsboro over the last 25 years, but also the own cultural impact that that story has had in their world with the Stab franchise, let alone the Scream franchise Mm. in like our timeline, if you will, our world. But also I felt that it wasn't too much. No. The trend is now to have these kind of reboots of these beloved franchises. And what tends to happen is they shoehorn in all these Easter eggs and all these callbacks and it's too much sometimes at the expense of the story. Mm. And what I really enjoyed about this one is there was a good balance. I could not agree more. That was going to be my next question. Do you think they got that Mm. balance right? Because they're balancing a lot. They're balancing meta, self-referential. They're even referencing, you know, the horror genre of this time because mm. what that's what Scream does. It references the cultural landscape of the horror genre at the time that it's being made. You know, the first one referenced things like Jason Voorhees mm. and Nightmare on Elm Street. This one's referencing the cultural impact of Jordan Peele's horror and yeah. the Babadook and but then also film franchises as a whole, like the Star Wars franchise and the return of Halloween with Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis. Did you get a kick out of all those cultural references? Yeah, I did. What they've done is they've modernised that approach and there's so many modern twists in here. I mean, it begins with a ringing phone, Uh of course, uh but the girl's on her phone texting. You know, that's what I find really interesting is slasher flicks are all about isolation, but we're more connected than ever these days with smartphones and tracking apps and it could have made it less impactful. Mm. It could have affected the tension but they found really clever ways to work around it. You know, like millennials hate talking on the phone, so why would they answer the landline? <laughs> you know what? That's so funny. I could relate to that. She's like, why is my landline <laughs> ringing? Like, you almost thought that she didn't know how to answer it. Yeah, it was very funny. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'd freak out. My dad still has a landline and I'm like, mate, dad, come on, disconnect <laughs> that bad boy. When do you use it? Yeah, the callbacks are just woven in organically, I think. They're not forced and yeah. it added to the humour of this franchise, which is a big part of it. It's not hammy humour. It's really cleverly woven in and it helps the tension ebb and wane and build and build. And I loved the tension in this film. Oh, it was so good. Like on a nice edge you were, on the edge of your seat. Mm -hmm. Now, we were introduced to, well, for me, two new terms in this film. Yep. Requels and elevated horror. Mm -hmm. Did you know those terms before? I am familiar with elevated horror and that's what you would call a Jordan Peele film. Right. You know, it's not just a mindless slasher flick. It makes you think. And I would actually argue that Scream is the foundation of that maybe because it makes you think deeper about the genre as a whole by referencing itself. Yeah, and elevated horror, just to throw a few words to explain what it is, that it's less on traditional jump scares and gore, which this film absolutely leans into and nails, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into, but it focuses on artistic mood, social commentary and those Mm -hmm. sorts of things. So you referenced Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm. He's the master of playing with that sort of 
elevated horror, mm. let's call it intelligent horror, that's sort of challenging mm. the audience to think beyond the gore and the violence and think about their surrounding world and how it impacts, you know, your cognitive thinking. But we did get that new term, requel. Oh, God, there's so many, isn't there? Sequel, reboot. <laughs> well, we've been always trying to find a new word to, like, describe reboot, reimagining, all this yeah. sort of hullabaloo. Are we going to use requel now? Yeah, so now we have requel, which is somewhere between a sequel and a reboot. It's not quite a reboot, but it does follow the continuity of the films that came before it. And it's not quite a sequel because it has a new main cast, but it's supported by a legacy cast who do more than cameo. And that's the important part, I think. Absolutely. Uh, Just to build on that, you know, Scream have always had a really tough gig Mm -hmm. because they don't have a killer like Michael Myers who remains the killer throughout and he just doesn't die. There's that supernatural Mm -hmm. element. You don't have Jason Voorhees again who has that supernatural element. You have a new killer or series of killers in every single film. So it has to prove its relevance, has to prove why it's coming back to set up a story that makes sense, Mm -hmm. which is why these films, they shouldn't be this good time and time again because they've got a really hard job ahead of themselves, Mm. but they... They've done it. They really have done it here. What I really loved is how it offers up cheeky observations about slashes and takes a few soft swipes at the culture of fandoms (laughs) that surround them. So this self-referential humour is what Scream has always done really well, so much so that it's become its own subgenre. And fandoms or fans, Mm. they rule the world right now, don't they? They call the shots. We've seen it time and time again. The one thing that we always reference on the podcast is the redesign of Sonic the Hedgehog. That happened because of fans, because of fandom, and it made for a better film. And so here we are with another Scream film and they hone in on that mentality Mm. and that position of fandom and do something really fun and fresh and unique with it, yet still within the tone of the Scream franchise. And they found the perfect angle for this. And I think that's what's most important, fun, fresh, and they kept the tone. When, When you think of meta, we've had a few stumbles, let's say, of recent time. You've got Space Jam and New Legacy, which we liked, which I think did a good job mm. with Meta. But then you have the Matrix Resurrections kind of tripped over itself. Mm. So I was a little nervous of how the Scream franchise was going to work with Meta again. And we keep going back to this thing that they get the balance right. So i um, very, very relieved there. Did you pick who the killer or killers would be? What do you think the answer to that question is, Lee? No. I never, I can never pick them. But did you? No, actually, and I didn't even try, and that's my point. If you if you try hard enough and you're in tune with the slasher rules, as they say, you could probably pick the killer, but mm-hmm. likely not the motivation. It's quite a clever motivation, and I think yes. everyone is just going to be really happy in this film to go along for the ride. Yeah, and look, these films deserve a rewatch. That's where you can kind of look for the clues and mm. look at the characters that you may have overlooked or not been wasn't so obvious that it might have been them that's the fun in these films because on a rewatch their value is through the roof as well it's like Mm. watching it again for the first time do you agree yeah yeah just getting back to the callbacks but i want to call them parallels there's some really nice parallels with the first films one that really gave me a giggle was Randy's niece. And Randy was played by Jamie Kennedy in the original film. Mm -hmm. So he was the horror expert, wasn't he? He knew all the rules. Yes. So his niece is in this film played by Jasmine Savoy Brown, who is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. She's watching Stab 
on the screen at this house party <laughs> and while Ghostface is on a murderous rampage and she says, turn around to the character on the screen, which is what Randy did. He was sitting at a party watching this film yeah. and then, of course, Ghostface is standing right behind her as he was with Randy in the first films. And you're both at the same time laughing, mm-hmm. terrified and also so frustrated. Yes. But it, it just works and it's funny. Yes, all of those feelings get you really hyped up for this film. And when I went to see a screening, the opening scene of the movie, which begins much like the first film does with a phone ringing and a girl alone in her kitchen, mm. people were cheering and they were shouting and going, whoa, ah. Oh. <laughs> and it was just so exciting to be a part of that kind of shared cinema experience. Oh, it's it, it elevates the film beyond what you can anticipate. And this is the sort of film you need that experience with. But that's what I live for. That's what we all live for in the cinema experience. You want to be in that theatre with people reacting and enjoying the film and that energy just helps propel everything and, and heightens everything. And Scream really is good at cultivating that kind of energy. Absolutely. And at almost a two-hour runtime, I felt that energy but also the pace of the film mm kept you on your toes and when we arrived at the third act I don't know how you felt but I actually was d- upset that we were already at the third yeah. act because I was like that means the movie's gonna end soon yeah like I was like oh no why, why are we here already <laughs> keep going keep going <laughs> one thing that really got me as well one of my favorite favorite callbacks uh was Nick Cave's red right hand being played out of someone's car did you clock that no talk to me about that that moment. Well, I mean, it's the biggest, it's the theme. It's it's the song that's most synonymous with Scream. Nick Cave's Red Right Hand, designed and directed by his red right hand. Oh, my <laughs> God. And what moment was that? Or is it, you can't say? No, or? it's a bit spoilery, but okay. it, it was playing out of someone's car and I was just like, yeah. Like it just, it, <laughs> it invokes those excited feelings and gets you really revved up. You know, the, the moment that got me really excited, I, I love the score of this mm. film, of this franchise. It is iconic. But my favourite theme, favourite score theme is Dewey's. You know, it just gets you in mm. the feels. Like, it's synonymous with him. And we'll talk about the legacy cast soon. But do, do we want to jump into who's new? Who's new in the zoo, Lee, in this movie? Yes. So, go ahead. You take it. Yeah. Well, we've got Melissa Barrera, who we saw recently in In the Heights. She's mm-hmm. an absolute star on the rise. And she holds her own in this film. Mm-hmm. She's a fantastic piece of casting. So she's quite a complex character. You, there's a lot of subtext, mm. a pain, trauma that she's dealing with that unravels throughout the life of the film. Did, did you like her performance and, oh. and her place within the franchise? You know, people are praising Ortega's performance who played Sam's sister or Melissa Barrera's yeah. sister, Tara. Yeah. Um, and she's so wonderful. But the standout for me here is absolutely Melissa Barrera. You know, she's battling a big secret, her own identity, and wanting to protect and reconcile with her sister who she's estranged from. Mm. She's unravelling and yet she's so strong. She really was a great parallel to Nev Campbell's Sydney. Absolutely. I was just about to echo that sentiment. Mm. And despite the estrangement between the characters of Sam and Tara, they had really good chemistry. I think everyone in this cast, new and legacy characters, just, oh, they they were directed very well. They Mm. knew their characters very well. And you cared about each and every one of them. And, of course, as they're all getting 
killed, mm. <laughs> you really feel for their demise, mm. uh, don't you? Yeah. You also have Dylan Minette as the overly cautious Wes. He is the son of the uh, sheriff of Woodsboro, who we met in Scream 4, I believe. She was the deputy sheriff. Scream 4. Her name's Judy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and his character is called Wes, which is an uh, an honour to Wes Craven, yes. who's the original director of the first four yes. films. So that's a really nice touch. And this is the first film, it's worth noting, uh, without Wes, sadly. It is. You know, it's so rare that a director has done every single horror film in a franchise because they kind of go off mm. the rails, director DVD, whatever, they're all a bit shit. Mm. These have been good and Wes has been at the front of all of them and there's all this stuff online about, you know, Nev and Courtney and David returning. They were just, mm. but Wes isn't behind the camera. You know, the new mm. directors gave them that sense that they honoured, they was huge fans mm. of Wes and his legacy and that kind of made them feel comfortable mm. to return. I, I didn't realise how beautiful a man Wes was despite the sorts of films that he pumps out into yes. the cultural cycle. So he's a master of the genre. He is, of course, mm. responsible for Nightmare on Elm Street Yes. also. And, yeah, not having him behind the camera could have worked to the film's detriment, but I think the cast and crew have done a really fantastic job of honouring his legacy here. Absolutely. And who else do we have new in the cast? So we have... Amber Freeman is the character played by Mikey Madison. She's Tara's best friend. She was a great actress, Mm -hmm. one to watch, I think, from my perspective. And we also have Sam's boyfriend, Richie Kirsch, who's played by Jack Quaid. Um, And they work together in this bowling alley. So Mm. he's kind of like... He is the fan of the series, isn't he? So he's almost like you watching the film in a way, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah, he starts to discover it as the film unfolds and quickly becomes obsessed with it and, yeah. And he's got great charisma, great comedic timing. He He was a great addition to the film. He really does, yeah. Of course, we've got Jasmine Savoy-Brown as Mindy Meeks Martin and... And her twin, Chad Meeks Martin, played by Mason Mm. Gooding, and he, he's like this jock, but he's not a jock. He's not the traditional jock that you might see. He's almost a satire on jocks. He's quite yes. a nice, nice guy. And I love that twin dynamic here. And that's another layer of this film. There's just layer upon layer of really clever commentary and subverting stereotypes, but also mm. playing into them. It's just this organic, fresh take on the movie, but also gives you everything you want from it. And of course, what do we want with the screen movie? We want the return of the legacy characters, don't we? Yes. And the most emotional moments for me were when the original cast were involved and interacting with each other and the new cast members. I loved seeing their performances and the nostalgia that comes with it. Yeah. Perfect sprinkle Mm. of nostalgia, that delicate, that word balance that we keep referring to. I, I thought that Dewey, David Arquette's performance mm. here, was probably the standout in this movie. I yep. felt so much. He was grappling with a lot that we haven't seen Dewey grapple with. Mm. He still had his charm, his endearment, yep. his comedy. Yep. And one of my favourite scenes was between him and Gail yes. Weathers. And I, I just want to watch and watch that scene again. Yes. Seeing Dewey and Gail who come from and live in such different worlds but the love they have for each other is just so beautiful and it actually made me really emotional did it yeah me too I, i was really taken aback by it and i just i love these characters so much and they were so beautifully woven into this new story especially gail and dewey and then of course 
We have Sydney Prescott returning. Badass. Yep. I just love Sydney so much. Oh, yeah. She's so good. What do you think about the gore and the style of the film? We've talked a lot about the style of the film, but the gore Mm. itself, you know, there's some body horror in here, which, of course, Scream leans into, but it doesn't overdo it. You know, they are masters at building tension and jump scares especially. There's a lot more visual to the kills. They're quite brutal. Mm -hmm. It's like rather visceral, you know, gargling blood out of the mouths and stuff. Mm -hmm. And what I really appreciated about what they did with the kills was that it was very in-camera practical effects. It it just gave such a big impact. Yeah, just on that, you know, there's some squirmy scenes and body horror, like a knife going through someone's face, like it really slowly (laughs) just went through their face. But it's not so gory and realistic that you can't watch it because of those practical effects. It feels like Mm. something that you would be seeing in the 90s, but just done better. Yes, done better. You know, you you run the risk of when you're making a horror film, when you talk about gore, that there's blood splattered, digital blood Mm. splattered everywhere, and it's almost comical. But here it felt incredibly real, yet melodramatic at the same time, if that makes sense. It even pokes fun of itself again in (laughs) the fact that, you know, a character keeps opening doors. So you expect someone to be standing behind them when it's closed. <laughs> Do you remember this sequence? Someone just keeps opening oh God, a fridge door and a wardrobe door and it just keeps going and going and, and people in the <laughs> cinema started laughing because you 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 know he's going to be behind the door at one point. But is it this yes. one? And I was on the edge of my seat waiting for it. I mean, the, the reaction that you said the audience that you saw it with laughed is, is such a common reaction to have in horror films because – you know, you can't always cry or scream. Laughing is sometimes that defense mechanism to get through real tense moments. So they fucking nailed that moment in the movie. You have to let the tension out somehow. Yes. What what was your reaction specifically? Do you remember? Well, the first couple, I was was tense (laughs) and then they kept doing it again and again. And you would think that it would get tired pretty quickly, Mm. but it just didn't. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. It, the tension just kept building and building and building, and it was one of the one of the best kills of the film, I think. Oh, I, absolutely! And my my husband Josh, he had his fingers in his ears, so that's how he dealt with a lot of <laughs> those moments. Bless him! Bless him! Oh dear! Oh, Lee, is there anything else you want to um, discuss about Scream or do you think we're ready to wrap up and rate it? You know, I could talk about Scream all day, but we do have to end this episode at some point. So let's wrap it up. Okay, let's go. So, Lee, the anticipation I had for this film made me so nervous that it wouldn't live up to my lofty expectations as a fan. How proud Wes Craven would be of this film. They nailed it. This is how you do meta. This is how you reboot a franchise. This is how you reintroduce legacy characters and bring in fresh blood. This is how you balance genre and tone in a movie and have fun with it. Scream was such a ride and beautifully balanced thrills, kills, comedy and developed characters that many films struggled to achieve, let alone the fifth in a franchise. I'm genuinely keen on a rewatch to take it all in through a different lens. I'm going to rate Scream four and a half 
popcorn kernels. Well, Tim, I completely agree with everything you just said. And I will say that Scream 2.0 is a wickedly fun slasher that honours its own legacy while building on it in a way that will resonate with new and old audiences alike. The emotional, nostalgic and bloody beats are all hit equally well, in my opinion. You know, someone had to save the franchise and the cast and crew have succeeded with this really exciting and satisfying requel that also serves as a tribute to the master himself, Wes Craven. Wes really would be proud. I'm giving Scream four and a half popcorn kernels also. Oh, oh. fuck yeah. Love that. There's that word, requel. And if you want to laugh, scream or cry, you can catch Scream in Australian cinemas right now. But Lee, I said at the top, what order would you put the Scream franchise in? I don't know if I can do that accurately. I mean, I would put number one and two as the first. I would add this one in as the third, definitely. And then I would go four and three, I think. I would go this, and this could possibly change. I'd go the first screen, the original in 96. I'd go screen two. I've got a real soft spot for screen two. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really, really good sequel. I'd put Scream 2022 is number three and then Scream 4 and then Scream 3 as the fifth one. That's how I'd do it. All right, Tim, it's time to jump into the news. We got the Bob's Burgers movie trailer sizzling this week with a first look at the big screen treatment of this beloved animated series. So the film story begins when a ruptured water main creates an enormous sinkhole right in front of Bob's Burgers, blocking the entrance indefinitely and ruining the Belchers' plans for a successful summer. While Bob and Linda struggle to keep the business afloat, the kids try to solve a mystery that could save their family's restaurant. That's right. The Bob's Burgers movie serves itself into Australian cinemas from May 26. Are you a fan of Bob's Burgers? Look, I I haven't seen the series, but it's got a huge following. Do you watch it? I've seen a few episodes, yeah. It's a particular kind of humour. Right, right. (laughs) It's very lasonic and dry humour. So, Lee, the Golden Globes this year was a strange affair, with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association announcing the winners via Twitter with no media in attendance, no televised ceremony, or celebrities walking the red carpet. What? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? But the Hollywood Foreign Press Association has had some criticism of late. It's been growing Mm. and growing. So I think they weren't going to get people turning up. So this is what they've done. Well, a lot of uh, actors were publicly boycotting the Mm. ceremony anyway. So they were left with no choice in the end. But, you know, we got some winners. Let's Mm -hmm. maybe just call out a few headlines here Best motion picture for a drama was won by The Power of the Dog, which is a Netflix film. Uh, Very deserved. Yes, definitely. And, of course, Jane Campion, the director, won Best Director there. And Best Supporting Actor was actually Australian Cody Smith-McPhee. He won for his performance. He was so good in that movie. And hopefully that's a, a an indication of his award ceremony presence over the next mm-hmm. little while. And, of course, our Nick won best performance by an actress in yes. a motion picture drama for playing the role of Lucille Ball in Being the Ricardos. <laughs> One thing I'm really happy about is that Andrew Garfield won best actor in a motion picture for Tick, Tick, Boom. Oh, he was so 
good in yeah. that movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And also Ariana DeBose from West Side Story. She's so deserving of that Best Supporting Actress win. You can't see, but I'm raising my <laughs> arms. She was the best thing about that film, which also won Best Picture for a Musical or Comedy, West Side yes. Story. So this week we also got the SAG Award nominations, which is the Screen Actors Guild Awards. And usually mm. these are a pretty accurate precursor to the Oscars. So yeah. what we're going to see in here is is basically, I think, what we're going to see nominated in the Oscars. But there's one interesting omission or shocking omission to me mm. that Kristen Stewart was not nominated for Spencer. Which is wild. She's getting so much Oscar buzz about mm. her performance as Princess Diana. I'd call it a snub. It's a downright snub, yep. especially, you know, the SAG Awards comes from your from the peers, mm-hmm. from actors that you work with and a part of. So it kind of cuts a little deeper almost. It's really outrageous, I think. But, of course, in that female lead category, we yes. can list the ones that are in there at least. Very, very deserved yes. nominees, I feel. We've got Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, who's wonderful in The Lost Daughter, Lady Gaga, of course, mm. melodrama to boot in House of Gucci, Jennifer Hudson for Respect, which is yep. a surprise addition, and then, of course, Nicole Kimmon for Being the Ricardos. You think Jennifer Hudson is a surprise addition? No, look, I, I think she deserves to be there. I just haven't really heard her name around the Mm. award circuit very much. Mm. So if there was one to be subbed out with Kristen Stewart, it could be Mm. her maybe from from my perspective. I think that's a really hard category to pick and Mm. equally hard is going to be the outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. Like incredible, incredible pedigree here. I couldn't pick a winner if you forced me to. We've got Javier Bardem from Being the Ricardos. I loved his performance in that. Benedict Cumberbatch from The Power of the Dog. He was incredible. Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. He's who I want to win. Yeah. Um, Will Smith, King Richard. I suspect maybe he's a front runner. Yeah. And Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. And, oh, my God, it would be amazing if he won too. Gosh, this is a very strong category, yes. Lee. I kind of feel a bit mean. I want you to – I want to force you to pick one, but I think you've already answered that with Andrew Garfield. I want him to win. I feel like it could be Denzel. Look, it could go any way. Any of these five men could get up there with the statue. Like, honestly, it is incredible, incredible lineup. Either way, whoever wins will be a front runner for the Oscars. Absolutely. Yeah, now, Lee, there's an addition for a nominee in here that doesn't quite make sense for us. Who Mm. is it and what's the category? So, outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role has Katrina Balfe for Belfast, Kate Blanchett for Nightmare Alley, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Ruth Negger for Passing. All incredible actresses. I want Ariana DeBose to win, of course. Oh, yeah. But I find it surprising that Kate Blanchett was nominated in this category. I love Kate Blanchett. She is the freaking queen. Mm. But I did not understand her character in Nightmare Alley. I don't think she had enough to work with in that film. Yeah, and what she does with what she's got to work with is amazing. Yes. But it feels a little odd that she's in yes. amongst all these other performances. I agree with you. Having watched this film, which was, of course, directed by Guillermo del Toro, co-starred Bradley Cooper and a, a host of others, Tony Collette, of course, as well. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't understand the motivations of Kate Blanchett's character. She kind of came in about, what, halfway through it? Yeah, 
halfway through the movie. She's a pivotal character, but I just didn't understand what she was all about. Look, we'll stay close to all the award circuit. The SAG Awards are coming up very Mm. soon. As you said, a precursor to the Oscars. Mm -hmm. So it's anyone's game at this point. Speaking of the Oscars, the Oscars will have a host for the first time in two years. Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) Yes. I'm relieved. I can tell. (laughs) It's yet to be decided who the MC will be for the ceremony, which has been pushed back to late March now. But names such as Tom Holland and Pete Davidson are being thrown around. I'd love Tom Holland. I would really love Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire to co-host. Stop it. Stop it. Get out. How good would that be? That would be the greatest thing since Spider-Man No Way Home. I I think... (laughs) I think Kate McKinnon's name has also been thrown around and I love her. She would do such a great job. Who would you want to see host? Look, no, you've put it in in, in my mind now. It has to be Tom, (laughs) Andrew and Toby. I'm sorry, that's... That's that. Because it has it's, to be. Because it's such a huge moment in the past year. I think that's the biggest moment of 2021. So it kind of would make sense that they would they would do that. Also, I really love the idea of Emily Blunt and John Krasinski hosting. Oh my god. Seriously, Lee, you have some good <laughs> suggestions there. Get on the phone to the Academy right yeah. now. Well, we should know pretty soon. I mean, the nominees come out in early Feb. The telecast is the end of March. Mm-hmm. So it's only a matter of time before the announcement's made. So, Lee, it is very important that you make that phone call very soon. <laughs> okay, I'll get on it. <laughs> okay, now a bit of a change of pace in things. We have a new Jackass trailer for the latest installment jackass forever and boy oh boy does this look like an explosive ride explosive is an understatement tim they're back again celebrating the joy of being back together with their best friends and a perfectly executed shot to the ding dong (laughs) the whole the whole original jackass crew are back with a couple of new additions And, of course, it's going to be another wildly absurd and often dangerous display of stunts and mayhem, basically. (laughs) That about wraps it up. Well, if you are keen to get involved in this mayhem, the final Jackass outing will land in Australian cinemas from February 3. Now, Tim, Denzel Washington has revealed the script for a third Equalizer movie is complete and he is going to return to his iconic role of the vigilante Robert McCall to beat up some bad guys. Now, confession time for Tim. I haven't seen the Equalizer movie. Sorry, don't, don't sigh. It cuts me when you're disappointed in me, Lee. You should just stop owning up to this. We should just presume from now on that you haven't seen any movie. <laughs> you're our resident. Say, you're our resident film expert. Come on. I know it's not good for my reputation. I'm just too honest, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Washington is coming hot off the heels of an incredible performance in the tragedy of Macbeth, and you can listen to our review of Joel Cohen's masterpiece on your preferred podcast platform. Check it out, and definitely check that movie, The Tragedy of Macbeth, out because it's absolutely gorgeous. It's available now on Apple TV Plus to Mm -hmm. stream, so go for it. Go for it. That's our call to action for you today. Oh, Lee, another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast in the can. It was, and we covered off the new Scream film, which is in Australian cinemas now. Please go and see it. You will not regret it. Absolutely. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We have a website. 
popcornpodcast.com. Make sure you check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you to listen to. If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section and we run ticket giveaways. So keep an eye on the website for more information. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.